Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. I am excited about today's guest. Miriam L. Hooley is a mother and an author and an entrepreneur and a lot of other things. Thank you for joining today, Miriam. Thank you for having me, gorgeous. Really glad to be on board. We had a bit of a a rough start, but you were so patient with uh, technical difficulties. I think that says a lot about your personality. Oh, thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm not tech savvy, unfortunately, but yeah, we got there at last. <laughs> we got there indeed. Let's start with a little bit of background. Tell me about, tell me about you. Where did you grow up? Uh, where, where do you live right now? So I'm Australian. I was born in Australia, born and raised here in Australia. Uh, my kids as well, but we are from Lebanese uh, background. So currently living with my five kids, uh, my pet dog, Luna, and two cats, Simba, and we have another Luna as well. Wow, that's a full house. Yeah, very big family. Any uh, significant other spouse? Yes, my husband. Oh, yes. The important thing, the husband. We forgot the husband. (laughs) 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 Poor husbands often get forgotten. Yes. Well, tell me about your background, your your education, your career. I mean, I, I mentioned that you're an author. What what brought you to the place that you're at today? Oh, well, where do I start from? So <laughs> after I have had my kids when I was very, very young, I had my oldest when I was 16. So I didn't get to um, finish school at, in that particular time frame but as the years went by I went back to school I tried nursing but the, the shift work was very hard so left that and decided on uh, literature because I had a love for writing and it was my way of uh, just healing I write every day so i done a bachelor of literature and composition um, while I was studying that I taught first aid as well Um, taught adults, um, the Diploma of Children's Services, many, many odd jobs and little businesses here and there along the years. Um, And then I, uh, when COVID hit, I had a little business, which now grew into a skincare company called Eve Skin. Um, You know, that did really well considering considering it was a pandemic. Uh, And then my writing stemmed from when COVID hit, I decided that, you know, life was so so unstable anything can happen in any particular time so why wait so I I decided that's it I'm gonna launch the olive tree publisher because it was my dream for many years but no one ever believed in me so I thought well I'm gonna believe in myself this time and we 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 got it um, published it done number one on Amazon in three different categories Uh, it's got media retention and it's actually surprised me um by the amount of reviews that I've got from people you know everyone has just absolutely loved it which just makes my heart sing that's amazing congratulations on on all your success so the olive tree tell me why that that was so important to you and why you move forward with it and why does it resonate with readers well the the olive tree I had as I said I wrote I wrote three years ago but it resonates so much 
now because it talks about a family shrouded by war. It's a fictional story, but it has a lot of uh, meaning to it. It talks about a family living in Palestine, Israel, um, and the girl, the 16-year-old girl, she befriends her neighbor, which is a Jewish neighbor, and just the journey that how they become friends against all odds and and how life takes them on so many twists and turns. So the, the olive tree is an absolutely important topic to discuss with the new generation that bigotry and segregation and hate actually leads us nowhere. There's a couple of themes with, within the book that I wanted to talk about. I, explain to me this, options are a privilege of the rich, not the poor. Yes, definitely. That is 100% uh, true. And although a lot of people, you know, will say, no, oh, you know, yes and no, but it, it is true. I've experienced it firsthand uh, in Lebanon when I went there once for a holiday. I got up, I got caught up in a war and I saw firsthand this statement come to life. When you are poor, no one wants to hear your opinion. No one's interested in you. It's like you are unseen in this world. So your opinion mm. does not really matter or hold any weight. Unfortunately, that, that's the reality of life when you've got the money or the means or the connections, you are then a valid human being. Mm -hmm. My, um, the majority of the book, although fiction, it's either I've lived through personally or I've seen people around me live the stories. But yeah, this that statement does definitely hold its weight, what I've seen in, in throughout my, my entire life. Mm -hmm. And Miriam, what's so interesting about that is, you know, just from a, a cultural standpoint, when I think of a 17 year old, I think of a child. And for you, you were already a mother. That's crazy. Well, that was my, my choice. Although I had grown up in Australia and, um, you know, lived here all my life. I, it, it was my choice, you know, my choice to get married, my choice to have the children, whether that choices later on in life was the best choice, but, you know, being at you so young, sometimes you make decisions on impulse and not really thought through and the responsibility of having a family at that age is very hard. But, you know, here we are later. We've been married for 17 years. We have five kids now. So I, I, I think it was a correct choice then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, what a what a testament to your your intuition and your gut and, and trusting with you know, what, what you thought was best. So yes. back to the book, a little bit, uh, another common theme throughout is this uh, reputation uh, versus moral integrity. Talk to me a little bit about how that represents itself in the book. Well, the book is because it's, it's located in the Middle East where a culture is really all about reputation. What are the neighbors going to think? What are the people going to think? You know, what is the left and right and the center person going to think more than about moral integrity? No one cares about moral integrity, unfortunately, or the majority of people in that part of the world don't care about that. They, they care about the reputation before anything. So they're willing to sacrifice family and friendships and everything as long as the reputation is intact, which is absolutely sad. We, we yeah. need to be talking about this more to get some change happening. That, that's really interesting. A couple other things that I wanted to touch on. Decision-making. You talk about decision-making throughout the olive tree and different influences in that. What can readers expect to hear about that in the book? Well, it comes in many forms. With the, our protagonist, Anisma, her character is 
she she made decisions that were see were, that seemed you know unrealistic and, and against the wind and against the grain but it just shows you in life sometimes we just need to follow our gut feeling we need to do what everyone else is not doing and make our own decisions for us because no one lives your life you know everyone from the outside can you know have a say or have an opinion but if you're not in someone else's shoes you don't tie their shoelaces right you mentioned Amazon. Is that the easiest spot to find your book? Where can readers find it? Uh, yes, so international readers can find it on Amazon. They can find it on my website, www.mariamalahooli.com um, and all ma major leading online platforms as well. Okay, great, wonderful. Uh, if you're okay, I wanna go back to the uh, beginning of our conversation when you talked about uh, believing in yourself when nobody else believed in you that's a really scary thing to do uh, how did you how did you find the courage and and what what drove you to do that well in, in all honesty when covid hit, and especially here in australia in melbourne we had nearly two years of lockdown my mental state was in a real at the start was in a really really bad place mm. to be locked up with homeschooling five kids you know, work was non-existent. We didn't know what was happening. So I hit rock bottom. And the only way from rock bottom is up. And I sat down and I said to myself, well, you know, all these years, every dream that you've ever wanted to do, you couldn't because you've listened to everyone around you. Well, how about if just one time you don't listen to anyone and you mm -hmm. just take that leap of faith and try and float instead of always wanting to swim? So it was, it was after, you know, a lot of tears and a lot of thought and, and I saw, sought psychological help as well, because there's no shame in seeking help when we really need it. I think we need to start um, talking about the stigma of mental health as well that's crowded, shrouded in our communities and in all our lives. And, and that's exactly what I did. I, I took that leap of faith and, and thank God I did. You know, I, I wouldn't have been here had I not just, you know, really took up the courage to just just go with it try what's the worst thing that can happen i just fail learn a lesson and move on did you when you decided to take that leap were you still getting feedback from from people who didn't think it was a good idea or, or once you decided to do it did everyone kind of shut their mouths to see what you could do oh no the the negative feedback never stopped oh it mm. was waste of time waste of energy this is never going to work who do you think you are writing a book no one will read it and the list goes on and on i don't i think it's now i've realized that people actually are scared of what you might become mm. i don't think it's intentionally they want to set you back i think they just because they mirror themselves and they see that maybe they could have done what you're doing and and it just scares them Mm. But when things went well, people start clapping for you. And I just look back and say, well, why couldn't you just clap and, and help me out at the start instead of all this negativity? Right. That's a great point. Do you think that a component of this has to do with being a woman? Do you think it's uh, extra difficult for women to be taking those kinds of risks? Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah. You know, although yeah. we like to say that, you know, we're, we've we're come a long way you know, in history, but it's always, always, I found whether it's in business, whether it's even in, in being a parent or whatever it is, us women have an extra burden that, you know, we're always criticized, even by among ourselves. 
even mm-hmm. among other women we like to criticize and put down and and the rest of it which is which is very very sad certainly one thing i want to talk about you mentioned your skincare line tell me a little bit about that and why why did you decide to start that business and and how do you get something like that off the ground um, that, that's another another section so i have very very sensitive skin and it, it just came about by accident. Um, I had a, you know, pre-COVID, I had a boutique that was I was doing evening wear. And then for a lot of uh, reasons, we had to close that down. So with my sensitive skin issue, I, you know, had, did a lot of research and what can I use that's not going to cost me so much and that's going to benefit from my skin. And I really couldn't find anything affordable on the market. So after a lot of research, I, I came up with Eve Skin. And the idea was that I was just going to sell to family and friends just for a little bit of money to help out, you know, with these tough times. But and then the demand got insane, you know, friends and family and, and mutual friends. And, and then everyone wanted some of it. And and everyone told me, you know, just try and do a little website. It may work. And I only had one hundred and sixty nine dollars. And I started it for my kitchen table. Oh, my and, goodness. And from, yeah, the kids would help me put labels and little boxes and. And from that, it just grew and grew and grew to we're now international. That's amazing. That's amazing. What What is your best piece of advice for for an entrepreneur who has an idea or, or wants to try something uh, but just hasn't yet? What What's the best way to start? In my last couple of years, the, my journey, I've I've actually figured out that don't. And then a lot of mistakes that I've made, if you've got an idea, start on a very, very small scale, whether Mm. it's one product or just a few, start from your home, from your lounge, from your bedroom. It doesn't really matter. In a day and age where technology and social media is everywhere, you don't really need the big amount of money to start. You just need to have the dream and the vision. And don't let anyone tell you, because even again with my skincare, I was told, you know, don't do it. Um, you know, a lot of people said don't, although I had, you know, some people say, you know, open and start. I had a lot of people saying, oh, it's not a good idea. It's, you know, the people have these big brands in the world. Why would they purchase from you? But but th- that's not actually true. There's, I think, 7 billion people in this world. I'm sure you can find a little niche and a little market for your little products. Isn't that, isn't that true? Yeah. Don't, don't be intimidated by everyone else out there. And I, I got to tell you, that's really true in the, the podcast world, for sure. There's how many hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And if you think, well, I don't want to create one that's, you know, it's not going to be, it's not going to be unique and it's not going to, but I tell you what, there is a, there is an audience for a topic. If you put out a good product, you know, hundred percent. And you be unique, you be yourself, you add, you need to add value. The world doesn't need more products. It needs more problems solved. So if Mm -hmm. you can find something that you're going to solve a problem for, you will actually make a decent living and and it has to be, you have to be passionate about it. It's not all about, it's not all about money as well. It's about, you know, finding passion and actually helping people solve their problems. Mm -hmm. Now, I almost hesitate to ask you this question because I hate that only women get this question and men never seem to be asked this question, but I will be doing a disservice if I don't ask it because I'm sure no, listeners, go ahead. listeners are wondering, how do you balance all of this? Being a mother of five, having your own business, being an author, I'm sure listeners are listening like, 
this woman is crazy. How does she do all this? Look, where there's a will, there's a way. I'm not going to sugarcoat it and tell you, oh, it's easy. It, it's it's really, really, really hard. I, I micromanage my time to the minute. I try and work when the kids um, are asleep. My kids are older. So my oldest is nearly 17 and my youngest is nearly six. So they're not really, I don't have little babies, mm. but I, I don't sleep much. And that's the reality of it. Sometimes I'm in bed at 2 a.m. and I'm up at six again. Lunchbox packing, school drop-offs and the rest of it. it it is hard but if you really have a passion if you really have a dream you can accomplish it mm. there is no way that if you put your mind to it you won't get there how's your husband feel about all this is he is he able to support you is he kind of doing his own thing and and super busy doing his thing well he's got his own thing he does to be honest he does try to help but he just thinks i'm absolutely nuts for taking all of <laughs> He just, and especially when it's 4am and I'm in a meeting and he's like, what are you doing? It, why are you on the phone at four? I'm like, oh, I'm just in a meeting. I'll be into bed. <laughs> like he's just given up. He just knows that, you know, I've lost the plot and I've got too much. I think I don't bite to uh, chew. I bite to choke. Like, <laughs> so yeah, he's, he's just, he just leaves me alone now and knows that I'm doing my own thing. That's amazing. That's amazing. How do you think all of this like your, your kids watching you do all of this and how you manage your time and everything. I want to get a little bit to the parenting aspect. How do you think this impacts your parenting? Like, what do you think your kids see uh, when they watch you work hard like this? And, you know, what, what do you think is going on in their heads? Well, I'm going to tell you a little story, actually. So I've got the two boys and three girls. My soon-to-be 17-year-old last year wanted an electric bike which costs, I think, close to $2,000. And I said mm -hmm. to him, Joseph, look, mum, you're going to have to work to get your things. I'm not going to just fork out $2,000 for something that we don't actually need. So how about I teach you to make a little uh, T-shirt company, jumper company, and then you can sell that to your gym friends, you can sell that to friends and family, and you can make that money. So we actually did that. We got him, um, we got him to you know, I taught him how to do an Instagram page. I taught him how to uh, do some labeling and he actually sold those t-shirts and made that $2,000 and brought um, the, the bike that he wanted. So, wow. yeah. So the reason I'm sharing that with you is we need to teach our kids. First, we, they mirror what we do, but we need to also teach them, you know, about work and money and, and, and help them out. So I think in that journey, they've started to watch me, what I do, and, and I've taught them that, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't have money, if you can find a way, you can get what you want. So that, that's really, you know, sort of, I've drilled that into all the kids now, especially the older ones. So every time now they want something, we sit down and talk about how can we achieve that. Very cool. Now, what's next? I need to know what's next on your list of things, because you seem to be checking them off very quickly. Oh, I've got a bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> Last year, me and my sister co-founded a mineral makeup company called Mica Minerals. So we're working on that. Um, I, I've also been writing my second book called Souls of the Devil. This book is actually going to be very heavy and dense. It talks about everything that our communities don't talk about, you know, narcissism, incest, rape, religious abuse, religious abuse that people think that don't, doesn't happen. Unfortunately, it does. So I'm halfway through that. The olive tree is actually going to be made into a movie. So we've got the scenario being written out now. 
Um, yeah, and yeah, um, I'm sort of, and then some other projects that, you know, we're still working on, but a lot, a lot going on for the next, you know, 16 to 18 months. As if that's not enough. Wow. Wow. You really can do it all. You just, all you have to do is not sleep. It sounds like. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Which is not healthy. I'm actually getting better at that time managing and, and all the rest of it. Look, life is so short. I'm telling you, you know, my late father passed away at 52. My brother-in-law passed away at 21. I've learned, although I'm only 33, I've, I've learned now that, you know, let's try and get the most out of life and do the things that we enjoy because mm-hmm. tomorrow is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Well, that, I mean, that's my next question then. All of this, all of this, you enjoy it. It's not, it's not work for you. This is something that you're passionate about and, and you love it all. Oh, I absolutely love it, whether it's my skincare or whether it's writing and, and mostly my writing even more than my product-based business because I always say, doesn't matter how many products I sell, I can't touch a person's heart. But with a few words weaved into a story, you can really touch someone's emotion and change the way they, they think. That's amazing. I, I, I want to go back to the book a little bit because I'm thinking about this. So do you, do you need to like pitch to a, a publishing company and, and all of that? Or is that kind of like books of old? Is that not what happens anymore? No, you can't. So there's many different ways you can, you can send your manuscript um, to a couple of companies, uh, publishing companies, and, and, and they can like sort of go through it and see that if you're, you're, um, you know, you're, you're, you're okay with what they're getting, the conditions are going to be. I actually went down the self-publishing route with a big publisher um, in Australia because I didn't want my rights to be taken away from me. I did get offers um, by traditional publishers for the book, but they wanted to change a lot of it and then make it political and monetize it. And I wasn't interested in that. I was really interested just in the story. Mm, interesting. So you, you just stuck to your guns. Yes, because if I say, you know, as I say, money's all important. We all want to make a living. We all want to make a decent living at that as well. But then if you, you know, with the story, it's such a, it's not a heavy story, but it's such an emotional journey of a family. I didn't want, I didn't want, want it to be lost because of the money aspect side of it. So I was happy to make no money over and have a million people read the book than rather get a million dollars and no one read the book the way that I intended it to be read. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash 
transparently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Okay, Miriam, I, I want to know what is your best piece of advice for a career woman, whether that be corporate or uh, entrepreneur or you know social worker, teacher, whatever, a career-driven woman who also wants to be a mother. I think a lot of times women feel like they have to choose their career or their children, um, passion or a family. What's your advice for someone who's kind of trying to balance some of that out? Look, I, well, for me personally, because I had my kids so young, I don't know whether if I was a lot older, I would have had even five. So that's, that's the first thing, because it, it does mm. make it so hard when you have a big family and you want a career, but it, it is possible. It is doable. You need to make sure that your partner, if you've got one, is on the same par as you. Because uh, if you don't have a little bit of support or any support from anyone, it does get much harder. And as I said, again, it's it's the time management. That's all it is. You know, you have to see if you've got a little one. I, I know a lot of business owners that have little kids and, and I do business coaching as well. And, I, and I've always told them, well, why don't we change the schedule instead of working during the daytime when the kids are awake? Why don't you just flip that? Uh, and, and work when the kids are asleep and just your work starts when your son or daughter goes to sleep it doesn't yeah. start in the day sure. so it's just working out pivoting and working out what is the best for your family and your situation because not no two no two ladies are the same everyone's mm. circumstance is different that's great that's you're right that is such great insight what works for me might not work for you no, might not work for the no. next person yeah. yeah, and we have to stop being shamed into believing that only one way is the right way. Nothing is the right way. Who says that my life is right or your life is right or mine or yours are wrong? It's just mm-hmm. whatever works for you, try and get it done. And you pivot along the way. You might start off with one direction and say, like, this is not working. I need to do this. My last question, maybe for the night, is what is your favorite part of being a parent? Oh, depends on the day that you ask me this. <laughs> Some days I don't have anything. I'm like, why did I do this to myself? But we all, we, I love all my kids, obviously. I love all five of them. But I think the most important thing is you just have to, and us being young, very young parents, we're like siblings more than parents. You know, there's only like 15, 16 years between my oldest and me. We, we, we have to, there's a fine line between being a parent and being a friend. I think uh, in, in, lately in society, everyone wants to go down the friendship line, but then they forget they're the, ultimately the parent that needs to raise this generation. So, you know, have, have the fine line between the parent and the friendship so the child knows, um, you know, when, when to draw the line. But my, my favourite part is enjoying the kids that now they're teens and, and we're still young and, uh, you know, we get to experience the same things that they are. We still at least can now, health-wise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it's not every day, unfortunately, not every day that I'm that happy and cheerful. Sometimes I'm not, which is normal. I love that. Very cool. Well, Miriam, I felt like I got a lot of really great uh, insight and information out of you. Was there anything I didn't ask that you wanted to talk about? No, I don't think so. And I'm juggling my mind. No, I think, I think we covered all of it. Um, you know, for your listeners out there, if you do um, buy the olive tree, whether it's an ebook or that, I'd love for you to email me or send me your reviews. 
it's always interesting to hear people's feedbacks from, from all walks of life and and I'm so grateful to have this opportunity to connect with everyone around the world with the olive tree. I love it. A great, great request. I, I think, it, you know, if everyone gave a little bit more feedback, it would be awesome. And I'm, I'm so guilty of it. I, I never, I never go out of my way to do that, but it's uh, so rewarding for people who work so hard and, and put themselves out there. So a good reminder yes. there. Yes. Yes. That's the only way we can improve is by getting feedback, whether good or bad. Right. Well, Miriam, it's been delightful speaking with you. I so appreciate your time. I know that you are managing it down to the minute. So even more special for me. Thank you so much for having me. Um, thank you so much. I can't wait to share with you, you know, in the next couple of years, my, my new adventures. And we can talk about that. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And to all the listeners, thank you for joining as well. Please tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe, rate, and review. See you next time.